Welcome to Sacred Realms. a great day in Hyrule, y'all. Welcome to Sacred Realms, a Zelda retrospective podcast. I am your host, Lyndon Willoughby. Hold on, hold on. You just said podcast. We are not casting our bods, Lyndon. The we are casting Zelda the pod. retrospective podcast. <laughs> if this was a podcast, I mean, I feel like I feel like we all have bodies for radio. We so. do have bodies. We have the face for radio. Speak no yourself. doubt about that. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, this is Sacred Realms, a Zelda retrospective podcast. <laughs> I'm joined, as always, by my asshole brother, Matt Willoughby. That's me. <laughs> Matt, it feels amazing outside tonight. We have managed to make it back onto the patio. I am grateful. Praise the gods of weather. Praise the gods of weather. Last, I think last night? Or the night before? No, it was the night before. A uh, ridiculous thunderstorm that rolled through. I'm pretty sure my apartment complex got struck by lightning around four in the morning, or at least like maybe the parking lot did. It was pretty insane. Um, but yeah, no, tonight is like gorgeous, like 55, 60 maybe. Oh, I saw this beautiful. awesome graphic today floating around social media that was like, in Texas, we have 12 seasons. There's oh, like, it's so true. The the pollening and then like fourth winter and yeah, then like tornado pools, season. Pools spring. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's very accurate. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I saw the same thing. I thought it was uh, super accurate. Um, it's a great day in, in Sacred Realms, a Zelda retrospective podcast. It this is, is our, our second attempt at this episode. Um, the the wonderful podcast software that we have decided to turn our audio into some crazy... Thank you, Mike, for just totally uh, knocking the table. Way to spoil the guest. Golly. Uh, but the, <laughs> he spoiled the table. Well, uh, I'm not even sure if I'm in the right place because I came for a podcast. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna go home if that's not what this is. They could be a podcast between the three of us. We could cast our bods at each other. That that's that. <laughs> that's for the next uh, after this. Podcast. That's Secret Realms after dark. <laughs> please, please don't cast your bod at me. Cast my bod at I'll Mike. I'll cast it right back. I'll cast my bod at Mike. He'll accept it. But anyway, he will. We, we were talking. Uh, this is our second attempt at this episode. The first one got turned into some crazy robotic dubstep that I'm sure would be appreciated by some of you uh, electronic uh, music fans. It but was sick, but then Lennon went and deleted it. I know. It was pretty awesome. I really hope that it is it survived somewhere in the ether that we could maybe dig it up and attach it in here at some point. Look, I'm just saying that I'm glad that I uh, I'm glad that I randomly had the forethought to pause the episode and listen to the first two minutes of audio just to check and see that it sounded right. Because had I not done that, uh, odds are pretty good that we would have just posted an hour and a half of robot dubstep noise to the pod feed this week. Which some of you would probably appreciate, but most of you probably would not. We were just trying to make it inclusive for droids. Oh, that's true. R2-D2 would have liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been right up his alley. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the guest because you already know who he is. You know him, you love him. He is the detective, Mike. Also known as the caster of bods. Caster of <laughs> bods. Mike, uh, we're pleased to welcome you back onto the podcast uh, in season five, where we cover Breath of the Wild. I am very happy to be here uh, with Breath of the Wild. I've been enjoying my first playthrough in three years immensely, and uh, I'm not sure which title I'd rather have 
caster of bod or detective, but I'm at, I'll just add it to the list of titles. You do have a long list. It's almost like Daenerys Targaryen. You just, you, they just keep growing. You have many. Defender of the realm, caster of bods. <laughs> I mean, the same thing, really. First of his name. Are you the first of your name? I am the first of my name. Oh, I'm perfect. Bearer of stash. Bear, oh, absolutely. Ooh. Bearer of stashes, for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, I welcome to the podcast... The bearer of stash, the caster of bod, the detective, Mike. <laughs> First of his name. <laughs> Still uh, having a beer. <laughs> I need to write those down. We need to keep a going list. We do. We do. And then just like your intro gets longer and longer every time you're on here. Yeah, yeah I, I like it. I need to have a, I forget what they call it, a herald that uh, announces yes, me. Yes. Like, on. oh, um, like Paul Bettany in uh, Knight's Tale. And it has to be Paul Bettany. It has to be Paul Bettany, <laughs> absolutely. Of course, Paul Bettany, now an Avenger, in addition to many other things, has plenty of time to come on this podcast and it announce just to us. be Mike's Herald. Yeah. <laughs> we'll work on that, everybody. No promises at this point. Mike, how, are, how have things been going? What have you been up to? Um, I've been up to a lot. Um, so good things. Everyone's done with the flu and COVID. Um, hopefully, knock on wood, we're immune to everything for a little while. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, oh wait, what was that? Immune to everything, followed immediately by a cough. That was the cigar talk. <laughs> um, but the the leg is healed. I've gotten the clearance. I've returned to full duty. So uh, I'm back in the swing. I uh, went to go see Batman with uh, you, Lyndon, <laughs> last week, and uh, was had a, a thoroughly good time and a couple whiskeys. Batman's pretty damn good, right? Dude, Robert Pattinson did a really good job as Batman. I was impressed. I was. Yeah. M- Maybe not the best Bruce Wayne, but yeah, I... Yeah, his, his Bruce Wayne was definitely lacking, but the Batman was very good. Oh, I, I loved emo Batman, yeah. so... He was so much more, like, grungy and willing to, like, beat people into almost literal pulp. Well, awesome. yeah, but he doesn't kill people, like freaking Batfleck, who just, like... <laughs> he literally just either branded them in prison so that yeah. they would then be murdered by other prisoners. Yeah, he yeah, was, like, was an actual cool. mass murderer, basically, so... Yeah, it's kind of cool, But though. still watching this, I'm like, some of these people probably wish they're dead. I mean, yeah, the last dude at the very end that he's just, like, beating the absolute hell out of, that dude probably, like, had most of the bones in his face fractured. So he's probably wishing that he had gotten chucked off the side of that building. Mess around, find out. Yeah, oh man, it was it was pretty intense. So yeah, definitely we've been keeping up with uh, with the movies of the day. It's been some pretty good times there. Uh, Mike, I know you just said, so real quick before we get into the meat of the episode, I just want to get your background on Breath of the Wild because I don't think, you know, we, we've, we've played a lot of Zelda games together on this podcast at this point, but I don't think we've really gotten your history with this specific game before. So uh, lay it out for us. Like, how many times have you played it? Um, what, you know, where are you at with it? Like, wh- what is your memory of this game going into it on this new playthrough? So this will be my third time to play through. Uh, I played it uh, not day one, but I started playing through pretty much right after it dropped with the Switch and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I didn't complete the first time. I beat the game, but I didn't get all 120 shrines. Uh, I let it sit for probably six to eight months and then right about the time we were getting ready to have first kiddo, um, I started again. And then between night feedings and other parental obligations, I got snippets of it and played it through a second time. Isn't the Switch great for that? Oh, man, it's the best. My my gaming would be virtually non-existent if it wasn't for the Switch at this point, um, especially now with, with second kiddo. So uh, thank you, Nintendo, for the Switch. Um, but I'm enjoying this playthrough, so First playthrough in about three years, maybe three and a half. 
Um, and I finally got the DLC. So I, I'm I'm trucking along with that. Wait, first kiddo's not that old, is she? She's fixing to be four, bro. No. Yeah, four in May. Oh my god. That's hard to swallow. Yep. She's so cute. I love she, her so much. She's hella cute. Uh, but yeah, so, and she she enjoys watching dad play some Zelda. Um, yeah, she loved the Skyward Sword playthrough. She liked to fly the beetle around. I remember yeah, that. She loves the beetle. So I'm letting her play a little on this one. I'll save it and then let her run around because of the open map. Oh, yeah. And so she likes to go drown in the water a lot or jump <laughs> off cliffs. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that she's a safe trekker around, no. uh, around Hyrule, but she has yeah. a good time. Um, so I'm playing it through. Um, I, I've probably put in five hours or so at this point and caught up just enough to be here with y'all on this podcast. Gotcha. Excellent. All good stuff to know. Um, of course, can't wait to get into uh, the topic of this episode, which is chapter three, where we cover primarily Hateno Village. Still pretty early days in this game, um, but we're going to have a good conversation about it. There's some neat stuff to dig into here. Before we get into that, I want to talk about a little news of the week. And of course, uh, you guys are going to be hearing this episode a few weeks past the announcement of this, but this is the first episode that we're recording since this announcement has dropped. I am, of course, talking about the little video that showed up on the Nintendo Twitter threads uh, the day before last, uh, which was <laughs> titled simply Breath of the Wild sequel development update or something to that effect. And of course, I think everybody knew what we were going to hear in that video just by that headline alone. I mean, like... I feel like anything else would have showed up in a Nintendo Direct, honestly. Um, but yeah, I mean, to nobody's surprise, really, uh, the video contained a, a lovely message from Eiji Aonuma, who informed us that the development timeline for the game has been extended. It is now delayed out of its original 2022 release window and has a slightly more specific and not that much later um targeted release window now of spring 23 so um yeah that was obviously the big news uh there was a slight little bit of new footage included in the trailer along with that announcement most of it was footage that we saw in the last trailer but there were two new shots of uh link and uh of the master sword as it appears in this game so that was pretty cool um i mean i mean matt nobody's really surprised about about this development, right? No, I mean, we we were even taking bets on it being delayed. Uh, and I think you and I were both kind of on the same page that it probably would be. I, at least yeah. I thought it would be. I mean, I, I think where I was at previous to this was that there was no scenario where it comes out any earlier than like Christmas of 22. Yeah. Um, and so obviously spring of 22 can mean a lot or spring of 23. That can mean a lot of different things. My personal opinion at this point is that it just releases on um, I think it's March 3rd, which would be the seventh <laughs> anniversary of the switch and Breath of the Wild. Well, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Just like an anniversary release title. Uh, six, six, seventh, 23 to 2017. Six, six, six. Yeah, six, sixth anniversary. Maths. <laughs> We're good at arithmetic. And can I just interject that Mr. Numa, whenever he did that, was so professional and personable that I'm not even mad. No, he 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 softened the blow with his charisma and uh, professionalism. That is a charismatic man. He's he's very like traditional Japanese, but it, he brings like there's a presence where you're like comforted, like ah oh, yeah, thank you, Ag, for telling me this. Somewhat I more to the, you. yeah. Somewhat more to the point is the fact that. I don't think that there's ever been a, a mainline Zelda game that hasn't been delayed in some way. 
and we have no bad Zelda games. And the reason is precisely this, which is that the development team is very good at knowing when they need a little bit of extra time to to put some extra spit and polish into the game. Um, it has never resulted in anything less than stellar results. And uh, to be honest, if it does release in spring of 23 instead of the end of 22, that's like not even necessarily a super monumental delay in terms yeah. of time. So. And Elden Ring can thank Eiji Onuma for its shoe-in for game of the year. So. Oh, yeah, no kidding. From software, write Nintendo a thank you letter. Well, I don't know. God of War Ragnarok uh, is still supposed to come out towards the end of the year. That's a good point. I forgot about that. But, I mean, it's stiff competition. Imagine, though, if we had – imagine if it had been Elden Ring, Breath of the Wild 2, and God of War Ragnarok. That would have been an absolute slugfest of a game of the year. Like, man, talk about trying to pick the best of the best. Woo! Um, but no, I think I think it's great. Um, I'm very, very, very interested to see what they do with uh, the Master Sword, with it being literally destroyed. Uh, looks like it almost got melted by whatever that black goo is. Um, Link's arm is looking uh, definitely worse for wear, and that little glowy spot on his hand, which is definitely not the Triforce. Uh, wonder what that's all about. But we do now see that, so we see Link's face in those shots, and it is Link where he's wearing that kind of like half toga thing, and he's got whatever whatever that crazy mutation is to his arm that we saw in the first trailer Mm -hmm. you know after that first trailer dropped everyone was kind of speculating like well that that link looks different from breath of the wild link his hair is longer he's wearing weird stuff his arm looks corrupted and you never got a good look at his face and so people were briefly speculating that this might actually be like some different link a different link or some version of even like ganondorf from like the far past like that was kind of floating around a little bit Hmm. um and obviously, I think that's been debunked at this point. I never really believed that that particular line of, of nah. yeah of theorizing, but um, but yeah, it definitely appears to be a link um, several months or even years removed from his Breath of the Wild incarnation because his hair is definitely longer. He's wearing very different clothing, but it is without a shadow of a doubt link that we're that we're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I'm I'm interested. I'm excited. I think it's a good move, especially given uh, the difficulties of just the world over the last couple of years that I'm sure has impacted the timeline of development. So I'm glad they're not crunching the team too much or at all, hopefully, and uh, still aiming to deliver a really fantastic product at the end of the day. So uh, I think good news all around. Uh, slightly disappointing, but even like you said, Linda, not monumental so because it's not that long of a delay it's not like they moved it from holiday 2022 to holiday 2023 so you know we're not waiting a full year more like three months probably let's be real we have all got plenty of stuff to play right I oh mean, for sure there's more than enough to keep everybody entertained in and the meantime. what a good problem to have like i've got a backlog of probably four or five games at this point i want to play I, I got plenty to do with what little yeah. time i get yeah absolutely yeah Cool. So, yeah, that's that's all the update that we have. Um, You know, I'm kind of hoping now that we know we've got a little bit of a gap here. I would love now for um, another Zelda port to be announced for the Switch before Breath of the Wild 2 comes out. Um, I think that this is a perfect time to go ahead and drop Twilight Princess and Wind Waker on it. I would love a good Twilight Princess or Wind Waker port. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I think, you know, everyone really believes that those are coming at some point to the switch because why wouldn't they i mean i hope i hope twilight princess gets the skyward sword treatment in some ways like i I really would like for that game to get a full hd glow up it it did i know when it when it went to like uh when it went to wii u U. but 
I mean, Skyward Sword came out on the Wii Wii U era, roughly. Not Wii U, but it, it was on the Wii U. You could play it on the Wii U. But like, it would be nice to get for it to get the Skyward Sword treatment, in my opinion. Like, better controls or different controls that relate to the Switch. I guess it wasn't really so much on the motions, but and you know what I mean. Like, I think it would be fun. It'd be kind of nice. Give me a good switch. I think remake. I think if Twilight Princess HD comes to the Switch, then it's going to be just an uprezzed version of the Wii U one. That's honestly. fair. Uprezzed is still good. Yeah. No, it'll look great. It'll just play the same way that it that it always has. Um, and then Wind Waker, of course. I mean, man, I I've been jonesing to replay Wind Waker. And I haven't because obviously now we've got a show that revolves around us playing Zeldas in a particular order. I'm not just going to go like Rogue and play one for funsies and then maybe have to play it again two months later. But. Yeah, no, that would be definitely a, a kick in the pants. Yeah. So anyway, that's your update on the Breath of the Wild sequel. So good news. I think it's a, it's a net positive, even though it requires us all to be just a little more patient than we otherwise would have uh, had to be. So, Yeah. All right. Well, now that that's out of the way, let's get into a little bit of housekeeping and then dive into this episode. If you didn't know, Sacred Realms is a weekly re-examination of The Legend of Zelda one little slice at a time. Sacred Realms drops every Wednesday and is available on all major podcast networks. Every week we play a new section of a Zelda game, then we sit down here to talk and to drop our hot takes. If that sounds fun to you, please head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, and be sure to leave us a review. Uh, five-star reviews are greatly appreciated and they have a chance to get a shout out here on the show. Five-star reviews are also available on Spotify and we appreciate receiving them there as well. If you want more Sacred Realms in your life, you can head over to patreon.com slash sacredrealmspod to get access to listener mail, vote on what game we play next, and much more. In addition, Master Sword patrons and above get their names read on every episode of this show. Those legendary individuals are Melanie, Kolku, Rowan, Joshua, Nick, Hyrule Podcasters, Keep It Going Pod, Dante, Jep, Mary, Brittany, Davey, Haru the Mighty, Derek, Albert, Mark, Andy, Cameron, Tyler, Ben, Daniel, Nick D underscore TV, Travis, Christian, Jonathan, Max, Nichols, the legend himself, Garrett, and Drew. We appreciate you all so very much, and we would not be able to make this podcast without your generous support. You make us smile in so many ways. You make my heart happy. You make Matt's heart happy, and uh, all of this was worth it for that reason. If for nothing <laughs> Oh, man. Without further ado, let's talk about what we played. We do that, of course, every week in the Sacred Realms Rundown, which is a six-part analysis of what we played this week and the feelings that it made us feel. Today... We are covering Breath of the Wild Chapter 3, uh, which relates mostly to the amount of time that we spend in Hateno Village. Part 1. And the of, surrounding areas. And the surrounding areas, yeah. Part 1 of the Sacred Realms Rundown is, as always, the plot recap as read by Matt. Take it away, Matt. Impa sets us off towards her compatriots in Hateno Village, who should be able to help us recover some of our lost memory and point us in the right direction for the next step of our quest. Along the way, we find plenty more shrines and points of interest, as well as enemies. There's lots of ground to explore, some interesting puzzle for Korok seeds, and lots of food to cook. The most interesting place we come across on our travels is an ancient battlefield, full of dead guardians and, presumably, the dead people who are fighting them. This battleground is at the gates of Fort Hateno and marks a valorous final stand where the people of this region fought off the hordes of guardians and monsters that served the Calamity over 100 years ago. 
When we reach Hatena, we find an idyllic village close to the sea, full of people going about their lives. Some folks there ask for various forms of help, from talking to their crushes on their behalf, to finding weapons to show grandparents, and even a fun little sortie against some sheep-napping bokoblins. At the top of the hill lies Hateno Lab, with the head researcher, Pura. She's an odd duck who accidentally reversed her age to the point of being nearly 10 years old instead of 110 years old. Pura, of course, knows us from our past life and realizes that our lost memory is a side effect of the restoration sleep. She does offer to upgrade our Sheikah Slate, but needs us to reactivate the forge from the ancient fire at the foot of the hill. Going down to the ancient fire, we take our trusty torch and march the blue flames up to the top of the hill and relight the ancient forge and bring the lab back to full functioning. Once inside again, Pura, true to her word, upgrades our Sheikah Slate, restoring the camera function and even unlocking some old photographs that will hopefully help us regain some of our memory. With the upgrade to our Sheikah Slate done, we set our sights towards our first true challenge, the divine beast Va-Ruta in the domain of the Zora people. This has been the plot recap as read by Matt. Um, these kind of these ones in between divine beasts uh, really are a lot less of a strain on you. Than- That's yes. Uh, that first one was insanely long, um, and then obviously these are nowhere near Skyward Sword length. But uh, I think next week's will be pretty good. We get to a lot of character exposition. Uh, get to go into one of the champions, uh, the Zora people in general. Uh, everybody's man crush, Prince Sidon, fish crush. Man crush? Manfish. Manfish crush. Really yeah. blurs the line. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I think next week's will be a little more beefy. Uh, let's get some more, uh, get some more talking in there. Cool. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into part two, which is our takes. Um, we're going to start this section off as we are doing every week at this point by Matt and I kind of running down a, a quick list of facts um, in terms of what we got done just by the numbers in this section of the game. I'll go first. Um, so the starting point that we both observed was leaving Kakariko Village after talking to Impa, and the ending point was when we reactivate the Hateno Ancient Tech Lab. The route that I took was that I left Kakariko through the pass uh, back towards the Dueling Peaks stable on horseback. Um, I boarded my horse at the stable and then proceeded on foot through the Blatchery Plain to Fort Hateno, then east to Hateno Tower and onto Hateno Village. My number of shrines completed at the end of this section was 13. Uh, in terms of towers activated, the only one I got done was the Hateno Tower, um, which has got a, a beautiful little uh, dried spiky thorn puzzle that you have to solve to get up that thing. Burn it with fire. Yep. Um, let's see. Favorite shrine, I'll get into that later, and then other notes I'll get into in uh, – and uh, bloopy trails. Matt, go ahead and run down your numbers for us. Yeah, so I uh, also went back from Kakariko Village. I actually just kind of climbed over some stuff instead of going, you know, backtracking to the peak. I didn't take horseback. I like to walk around, so I free myself to climb whatever uh, takes my fancy. Um, obviously, I don't want to, like, leave my horse laying around at various points in the uh, fields of Hyrule. They're very dangerous for horses. I don't want them to get kidnapped by a bokoblin. So I kind of went around the Pierre Plateau, Banuru Stand, the Fallian Heights, um, and then just kind of through. Then I went south towards Fort Hateno. So whereas you came to Fort Hateno going east, I approached it from the north. So I came at it from the south or going south. Uh, so that was a little interesting. So then I kind of backtracked a little bit uh, just around that area, including the the forest. 
Um, then I went through Fort Hateno, around the cliffs, and then to the Hateno Tower. Um, and I actually paraglided most of the way uh, from Hateno Tower down into the the woods, the Geiner Woods, um, where there's actually a cool little, uh, I think that's where the Korok puzzle is, or is that in? No, that's not there. Um, anyway, there's there's some wooded areas r- right before you get to Hateno, and I spent quite a bit of time running around in there just slaying bokoblins and moblins, and uh, there's a Korok seed puzzle where you have to shoot a bunch of targets with your arrows. That one was fun. And then uh, up to Hateno Village, um, and then what, when I got to Hateno, I didn't actually stay in Hateno very long um, before doing the lab. I knew that we were stopping at the lab, so I wanted to do some more stuff. I walked around down to the beaches, um, you know, Hateno Beach, Kalano Bay, um, all the way over to the Muojim Shrine, which is on the very peak that overlooks where Eventide Island is. You can see Eventide from there. Oh, so you got all the way over to, you, you were in Faron. Yep, I, I got pretty much to Faron. I didn't go any further, I didn't go any further south than that. And then over to Tanoko Island, where the major test of strength strength shrine is. I did that one. And then I went on back and, uh, you know, piled around in Hateno Village for a while and uh, did the, sh- yeah, did so, the shrine. Yeah, so you went further than I did. I was saving, because I, I knew... I typically tackle that that shrine on the peak and then the island one in the same time as I um, like I, I usually get those on my way to Eventide. And so I intentionally saved those for the episode after next in yeah. which we're going to be exploring the Faron region and doing Eventide Island. Um, so, yeah, I think you definitely got around a little bit more than I did. Mike, kind of where where have you been at this point? Hold on. I didn't finish my didn't finish my thing. Uh, I was right. also at 13 shrines, uh, 25 Korok seeds. And uh, also Hateno Tower was the only one I activated. I'm not even keeping track of my Korok seeds. I mean, like, I I find it kind of fun. Okay, maybe I'll start. Uh, Anyway, Mike, what was your general path? Like, what what have your explorations kind of brought you to? Well, obviously, so same starting point, leaving um, Kariko Village. And so I went. That would be Kakariko Village. I'm going to call it Kariko Kakariko Village. You're right. Um, I went and found my favorite giantess fairy and had her upgrade my she- um, and so went and did that, met her, got a couple fairies, and then I kind of pulled a mat and decided I'm just going to climb stuff. Um, so I threw on my bandana and my climbing gear and just, uh, started scaling things. I got a lot of, uh, call them Kuriko seeds? Korok, Korok seeds. Korok seeds. I'm terrible with names in Zelda, as Lenny can attest. <laughs> He's got Gorgons, Orcarinas, and Kurikos. <laughs> 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 I know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> so I went and did that, um, climbed around a little bit. Um, got I got up to about 15 shrines at that point. Um, I did a lot of exploring. And so I also got sidetracked and decided to go hit any orange tower I could find. I went to go unlock it to unlock more of the map. And so I think I've done five or no, six towers at this point. Definitely a lot more than Matt or I. For sure. So I'm, I'm climbing a lot with a, a stamina wheel and a tick. <laughs> Not much stamina. Uh, it was interesting. Got a bunch of those discovered. And then I went back toward Hateno. I did go get a horse. I snuck up on my lady love, jumped upon her back and tamed her and named her Roach. Ah, as you should. As you should. Uh, I then went and uh, saved her at my local stable. Um, they took good care of her and continued on without her. Um because it'd be dangerous. Yeah, no, you don't want Roach to get hurt. And uh, so I went and went to Hateno Village. 
Um, kind of petered around there for a bit, did a lot of the little side quests that you can do there. I also followed um, Matt's example and went up to the top of that cliff, um, got the the temple up there, I mean, the shrine up there I could see, flew down to the one that's in the water on the little island, um, very near Eventide, and then decided not to go do that yet. Um, I'm going to put it off a little bit because I love it. And then I actually went to the little seacoast town. Oh, uh, Lorellan Village. Yeah, I went around there, pulled a bunch of chests out of the water, talked to those fools, got a bunch of crabs. Then I went, not not sexy crabs, just eating <laughs> crabs. <laughs> not not rent-by-the-hour motel crabs. No, although I'm sure there are those in that village. Um, but then I went and finished a 10-0 and um, did the lab. And I've continued on past that, but I will cease to talk about that because you would be upset at me. <laughs> Uh, I uh, I wouldn't be upset at you, Mike. I love you. Um, would you say at this point, are most of your spirit orbs going to hearts or to stamina? So at this point, I'm pretty much dumping everything into hearts. I figured I'm going to heart up till about nine hearts because then give me a divine beast or two and I'll be able to pull the master. Um, and then after that, it's going to be stamina time. I did go talk to the little uh, demon shrine or what are we calling him? Demon statue. I always call him Pazuzu, but that's not his name. <laughs> I, I, I like Pazuzu. Pazuzu. So I, I it's official. Met, Pazuzu. I went with Pazuzu. Um, it's Sage. No, no. Sage is the die guy. Um, I think it's just called the Horned Statue. I like Pazuzu better. Yeah. So I went and talked to the Horned Statue Pazuzu and uh, spoke to him about his uh, power over power and, <laughs> and, uh, and such. Uh, he took a little bit of from me, and then I made him give that back as another heart. That he stole from me. And, so uh, you just got it back. Yeah. Um, but I, t- I do take full advantage of him if I need to. Oh, and yeah. so other than that, I just ran around. I'm, I'm trying to buy a house, uh, both in real life and in uh, Zelda, and found it to be too expensive in both. Absolutely. Way <laughs> too expensive in both. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I would say that you'll probably, um, well, I don't know. I don't want to put this on you, but I, I'm curious to see whether you acquire your home in Zelda before you acquire your new home in real life or not. It's very possible. I've got like 140 wood just chilling out my inventory. Yeah, dude, just go give him 30 of that, and then he knocks that price down to like 3,000 rupees. Well, maybe if you had 140 wood at your actual home, then you'd have more luck in acquiring a new home. I wonder if you could trade that into a builder and be like, have 140 wood if you'll knock the price down to $1,000. Oh, we're also looking at like little bundles of firewood, and I'm not sure what a builder is <laughs> going to want to do with that. I, I've questioned that in Zelda. There's you know, a lot to question. There is a lot. <laughs> There's a lot to question I, ha- I have the wood, just not the rupees. Ah, yes. So, I'm, I'm, <laughs> As in real life. As yeah. in real life. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm at about 1,000. I need 2,000 more. Um, I did try pandering and uh, begging in Hateno, but no one wanted to give me stuff. Nah, they don't. They're not free with the rupees in Hateno. They are not. Stingy bastards. That's for sure. Okay, so those were some quick rundowns on what we got up to in this section. Um, I want to lead off with a few thoughts, one of which is that uh, this is, you know, really the part of the game where I try not to deviate too much from the geographical path that it is kind of like intending you to go on. There are later portions of the game for sure where... I'm I'm far more likely to scale a mountain and then and then paraglide down to the place where I want to be. Um, but in this one, I really do enjoy going through the Blatchery Plain, uh, coming to Fort Hateno, and then approaching Hateno Tower through I think they're called the Cliffs of Quince. 
Um, I, I, I kind of like going through all that. There's a fair amount of enemies to fight and some good gear to be collected. There's a few shrines in there, not many. Um, but it, you know, it's a, it's a really good way to get to Hateno village, I think. Um, and, and I just kind of enjoy the scenery there quite a lot. Um, I did meet my first Yiga clan warrior in this section of the game. And of course, uh, those tend to be people disguised as regular travelers somewhere along the road who then, uh, say a series of very bizarre things to you. They're so bizarre. Like it's, they're very odd ducks, very odd ducks. Um, and then, and then they always, uh, they always end their conversation. I, I guess Link is a terrible conversationalist because they always end our talk, uh, by saying that they are going to take our life and I'm or, not sure. Yeah. Or blood. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure if we're, if they're honor bound to say that, or if Link is just so terrible at talking to people that they're like, okay, I kill you. I, I like to think that it's his social awkwardness that causes them to want to kill you. Yeah, no, I'm 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 down with that. So uh, you're actually right, Lyndon. It is the cliffs of Quince. Good memory. I, I have my Breath of the Wild map open right now. I uh I like to go past Oakle's Navel, which is one of the. Uh, I'm not kidding. Oakle's Navel, which is one of the ponds that's uh, south of the cliffs of Who Quince. Who is Oakle? I don't know, but he's got a navel, and he or she has a navel, and uh, you can you can go past it. Just if you want to. Neat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's all That's all pretty fun stuff. The one thing that I did do is I, I kind of took a little bit of a shortcut from Hateno Tower, I like by paragliding straight down to the village entrance. Um, there are a few Bokoblins, which on Master Mode are brown Bokoblins because all the enemies are leveled up. And they, they chill out right in the woods um, before the entrance to Hateno Village. And I try not to fight those dudes because they're a pain in the butt. Um, and because the only things they're holding are like mops and crap, they're like mops and, and like big, like push brooms and stuff. And so it's like you kill them and then all you have is their like crappy home appliances to pick up, you know, that help you not at all. They're just trying to clean up the world and you're over here killing them. No, they're trying to clean up the world by killing you. They try to kill you with the mop. So they think you're the pond scum. Yeah. But where'd the Bacoblin get the mop? So I think the Bacoblins are the ones that killed the janitor. And then took his broom to use it for evil. I'm just saying, I've been around a lot of Bacoblins at this point. I haven't seen any piles of refuse. No feces. Just chilling out. Their camps are pretty gross. I mean, not that gross. So they're clearly cleaning. And maybe this one team is hired to like go to all the Bacoblin camps and clean. And so I guess you're dealing them a blow by killing their janitors? Making them filthy? Headcanon. Maybe, maybe they'll get diseases. Hmm. Hmm. So anyway, went straight into Hateno Village that way. Um, I so at this point I haven't done a whole lot of armor purchasing. Uh, the only armor set that I have is the Hylian, uh, the Hylian garb, the hood and the tunic and the pants. Um, and uh, and I, I really didn't feel like spending the rupees at this point on either the knight's armor or the stealth armor. Um, which means that I also didn't pay a visit to Sage, who runs the dye shop in uh, Hateno Village. Uh. Which is a shame because he's actually a really fun NPC to talk to, um, but I, I usually don't recolor the the Hylian tunic or anything. When I get the nah. knight's armor, I usually do do something to Black. that. But yeah, um, Matt, what what outfits are you wearing at this point? Oh, dude, I absolutely very first thing I did in Hitina Village was go and buy the knight's armor and dye it black. Um, so I wear I pretty much will wear that the rest of the game. Uh, it is, I think, the coolest looking armor in the game, and also just the defense bonuses in general are just 
bonkers. What's your clothing switch at the moment, Mike? Well, I'm a climber, gentlemen. I like to go get the boots, the the tunic, and then the the sweet bandana, and I just climb everything. So the only one of those pieces that I have at this point is the bandana, which you get from I believe it's the Ridahi Shrine in the Dueling Peaks. Um, and obviously those pieces are all really useful because if there's one thing in this game that, you know, you could stand to shave a few seconds off of, it's your it's your climbing time. Um, where did you get the other pieces from? I want to say, isn't isn't one of them in that uh, in that peak shrine that overlooks Eventide Island? I believe so. I, I honestly couldn't tell you which shrines have them. Um, I just kind of went shrine hopping until I got everything. Um, so it was a lot of shrine hopping and then I'm really excited when it's not a crappy sword or something, it's actually a item set or, mm. or clothing. Yeah. So I did that. Um, and then with my low stamina at this point, I kind of need that to be able to get up all those towers yeah. I was climbing. Um, so it, that helped out. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I think, th- so the climbing set and then the barbarian set that you can get later in the game are probably just in terms of like bonuses from armor, some of the most useful in the game. The barbarian set ups your attack power, which is just generally really useful. Um, the guardian set is awesome, uh, but you can't start getting any of that until you get to the Akala ancient tech lab, which in our playthrough we're doing way later in the game. So but anyway. Yeah, so I, 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 along with the knight's armor, I... I do utilize a couple amiibos in in this game, the ones that grant you like uh, unique things, right? Like I don't just go for the ones that just dump a bunch of materials on you, but my favorite one is obviously the Fierce Deity amiibo. And so I I was able to get the Fierce Deity mask out of that. And in my like headcanon of the way that that works is that Link coming out of the Shrine of Resurrection is like taken on part of that, you know, hundred year old fierce deity look and I think it's really cool. So I'm, I run around with the knight's armor and the fierce deity hood literally 24 seven unless I start fighting uh, something that I just want to like weigh up my attack power. And then you can throw on the other pieces of the fierce deity armor set and it does exactly what the barbarian suit does, but it looks way better. So, so is that one of those deals where you have to get little statue people? Yes. So, okay. Yeah. I don't have any statue people. Well, maybe I'll start giving them to Mavis's presence. So and I then can so you use can, exactly. Ah. Yeah. That's, that's using your noggin. Well, every time Mavis comes over to our house, she finds my, my link amiibo that I have sitting around and plays with them as toys. So she's already primed and ready for that. And remember the last time she came over and took your master sword and ran around the backyard fighting invisible enemies? It was a beautiful moment. I was about to say, that's a moment to make any dad proud. That's, that's a rite of passage of any child, <laughs> especially my child. Absolutely. <laughs> so you just can't borrow my replica Ocarina of Time until she's a little older. Like, it would be cute, but also I can't have her, like, changing day to night and, uh, you know, warping back and forth through time at this tender age. So That would be a little ha- hazardous for her it health. It would be irresponsible yes. me, as me of me as a father to allow my child to do that but would it be dope it would, it be, would dope. be dope it would be dope <laughs> yeah the amiibo because uh, we haven't talked about this before but if you if you do have access to any of the zelda amiibo a lot of them have really cool benefits like matt mentioned the majora's mask ones will grant you like the fierce deities armor which is really cool um the win- or his like sword you can get his the fierce deity helix great sword yeah it's insane yeah so most of these amiibos can grant you uh armor sets from those games in a to like a select weapon um the wind waker one for instance you can get uh wind waker links armor but you can also get the sea breeze boomerang twilight princess you can get twilight princess links clothes but you can also get the bow of twilight which that thing is sick that thing is pretty awesome it's, <laughs> yeah it's, it's arrows have 
its arrows have an infinite travel. Like, yeah, they're pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, um, and they have no drop off. Uh, the Ocarina of Time set again. You can get Ocarina of Time links closed, but you can also get the big Goron sword. There's a lot of really cool ones. Um, and so, really, the one of the coolest um, things about this is that if you have a Zelda game that you prefer over another one, and you get tired of not being able to wear traditional Link green clothes in this game, then you know, grab your Skyward Sword amiibo. Um, once per day, you can scan it in, and then eventually you should have a whole set of like Skyward Sword Link uh, armor with his tunic and his cap and his pants. Um, they look really cool, and the thing I love the most is that they changed Link's hairstyle in accordance with what it is in that particular game, which is cool. The trouble is that in order to upgrade all of those sets fully to their maximum defense potential, uh, you have to have a healthy amount of star pieces, which are really tough to get in this game. So the fierce deity armor, I don't think you actually have to have star fragments. Um, I know like all of the other like regular green link clothes, you definitely do, but I don't think the fierce deity armor requires star fragments. It requires a lot of dragon materials, which is infinitely farmable, but still kind of annoying occasionally but anyway those are all cool and i i have done amiibos in my past playthroughs i'm not doing them this time because like i get all those cool weapons and swords and stuff but then i feel bad using them because like i don't want to break the goddess sword right yeah no that would that would feel bad yeah uh but then i also don't want to like devote slots in my house to storing them because i usually do that for the champions gear that you get through playing this game so yeah anyway i'm probably not going to mess with them this time but a cool thing that you can do um so let's talk generally about this section of the game mike i'm going to go with you first so at, at this point uh we're kind of coming to the end of the introductory quest of this game in which you have to talk to impa and then she sends you to somebody and then you go back to impa and then you you're kind of free to just go tackle the divine beasts in any order that you want but the game has kind of opened up a little bit at this point what are some cool things that that have occurred to you um at this point in the game just kind of being able to freely traverse the world and being a bit more effective at things like combat and exploration so the, one of the things I do love about this game versus I, I love Skyward Sword, but I like the exploration. Um, and I think that's partially from having my first Zelda be Ocarina of Time, but I love just stumbling upon new events or enemies. Um, and especially the way the shrines are laid out, you stumble on a new shrine, you never know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolates. Um, <laughs> but life is like a box, box of, of chocolates. chocolates. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, but yeah, so I just stumbled around a lot, and that's how I prefer to play this game. I don't necessarily do it linear like like you guys are doing. Um, I I'm kind of following a path just to keep up. Um, since you you shot me over the list, but I just kind of let it go where it takes me. And if I go to a shrine up here and see another shrine way off in the distance, I'm gonna go to that shrine. And that's why I've gotten a couple more shrines. I just like to go explore. I've stumbled on some pretty cool little side deals, all or the Korok seeds. Um, the first time I played through this game, it took me forever to gather any serious amount of those because I had no idea what I was looking for. Mm. Now that I know what I'm looking for, it's they just keep popping out to you. The ones that are the circles of stone, the uh, the flowers you have to follow, the ones where it's the statues with the little fruit in the bowl and you got to match whatever you know they need for that. So I like stumbling upon that. Um, I love the little mini boss fights whenever you find a Hinox or uh, what are the stone ones called? Like the golems? The uh, talus, stone talus. Yeah, the stone talus. And then I mark those on my map. So after they resurrect, I can go just whoop them again and get all their cool stuff. Um, so I actually found three Hinox in this section. And I've, I've bested all of them. Link the Hinox Slayer. Mm-hmm. Hinox Bane. 
Mm, that's well, a good one. And the thing I love about fighting Hinox in this game is, um, so so talking about this section of the game, you are coming up against a lot more variety of enemies than what you've faced before. But I find that most of them are not really worth your time to engage just in terms of like the gear that they have. So there's like a lot more moblins here, for instance. Um, and those guys, they take more time to kill than the goblins. And typically all they've got are like clubs and spears and stuff. Um, I'll, I'll watch out to see what they're carrying again, you know, to, to see if they have like a night sword or something. But for the most part, it's nothing special. Hinox though, they typically are wearing some pretty cool gear that you get, um, when you take them down, um, stuff that is actually pretty useful, uh, knights, claymores, knights, swords. Sometimes they've got elemental swords that they're wearing around their neck that when you kill them you get like a flame blade or whatever mm-hmm. um Hinox can be a pretty a pretty good farm for for good gear if that's what you're after yeah i mean i always break a weapon or two fighting them so it's nice because it frees up my slots and then whenever i've killed them i can get the cool stuff they have um one thing i've noticed this time and me and matt talked about it very briefly before Lyndon shushed us <laughs> <I guess. laughs> yes so the very first time i played through this game i was just linked the mad bomber everything was bombs Oh, I'm going into this fight. Bomb it. Oh, I'm going to run away from this guy. Bomb him. Oh, there's a hill. I'm going to roll bombs down it. <laughs> just see what happens. And just, I mean, that was that was my go-to the entire yeah. first time I played. I wasn't really great at the timing for dodges or, or blocks. Um, I think that, and I didn't put it two and two together until Matt said this, but I think just coming off of Metroid Dread, where timing is essential, and I mean, you have to be able to time things in, in your blocks and your parries, for the game, I think that's helped me a lot. And I've noticed that I'm really a lot more consistent on my my actual combat mechanics in this game. So I'm playing it a little differently, which I think is very fun. And I'm trying to be more true to what Link would do instead of being the Mad Bomber. Um, and I, I had less less difficulty with the Lionel. Um, that's a little bit further down, down your path. Um, and then just the major test of strength that's down on that little island mat. Um, before you get to Eventide. Yeah. I remember the first playthrough I had with that, literally banging my head against that shrine at a, er, early in the game, about this time, yeah. for way too many times before I decided, you know what, I'm just going to come back to it. This time it was cake. I tried him one time, and I came in with like three hearts yep. full. He, he beat me that time. Then I'm like, okay, I better do this right. Went and filled up all my hearts, um, drank a little defense potion, and then I went in there and just whooped his little mechanical butt <laughs> and got some, some sweet, like, plus two axes and things. Oh, yeah, dude. Those, the Guardian plus plus axes and swords are, like, crazy powerful. I oh, love yeah. them. And then you get that and you can go take on the next Guardian a lot easier or the High Nox. Yeah. Um, so I, I've been trying to play this game smarter and in a different way just to keep it fresh. Uh, so I still have my bombs. And hunting with bombs is just the bomb. Uh, I, <laughs> hey, hey. Um, I'm always trying to get the high ground on some deer or some. I just throwing bombs at them. <laughs> yeah, I just, you roll the bomb down the hill, and then by the time they're like, "Oh, it's a bomb!" You're like, oh, boom. And so uh, I have a lot of meat in my inventory, and I really wish I had my Traeger in-game. <laughs> You'd smoke some of that prime meat. Oh, I'd smoke so much prime meat in that game. Absolutely, dude. That would be so delicious. Um, no, I, I was, like I think the same thing. Like I, I wasn't like you wasn't very good at the perfect parries or the fear, the flurry rushes. 
um, the first time around, but I'm definitely a lot more consistent with them now, which is why I feel so comfortable with my current strategy for spirit orbs, which is I'm dumping all of them into stamina and I'm just running around with three hearts and I'm really not struggling to, to survive fights right now. Um, just a lot more consistent with getting those, um, the stuns and the, and the flurry rushes, which is hugely helpful. Um, so definitely agree. And I, I do attribute a lot of that to just the way that Metroid dread made me, uh, hone those reflexes over the last uh, couple of months. I will say without getting much more into it and then I'll pass it off. Um, but the reason I'm dumping so much into hearts now is because I did stamina my, my first two playthroughs very exclusively at the beginning. And that also went along with my bomb strategy. I'm doing hearts now just because I know I'll need them. And then from previous knowledge, I know that going into Zora's domain, um, there's a certain thing called a shock arrow mm, that, uh, yes. that you don't like. No. And so I want to be able to f- survive one of those at least <laughs> so I, I put a couple in hearts yeah no that's fair linda and i have a lot to say about the uh combat gauntlet leading into zoro's domain for next week but yeah yeah definitely um let's talk a little bit about the new area that we find in this section of the game which is hateno village one of the main uh populated areas that you encounter in breath of the wild um certainly has got the largest concentration of human denizens of of any town in this game um and i you know i'm out, tell me what you think of hateno village just like its tone its vibe um you know where are you at with it yeah i really like hateno village it reminds me of a lot of like a small more european style town than you know kakariko was very obviously uh feudal japanese inspired whereas hateno feels a little more uh you know western. ancient yeah western or european and as I, I like that a lot um it's it definitely feels vibrant and alive and it, there's a lot of things going on and there's some cool shops and it's got a massive inn. Um, there's really cool things to do like the die shop. I love the die shop. Um, and obviously it's got my favorite armor, uh, in game armor with the, the Knight's armor, um, which I immediately purchased, like I said. So I think it's, uh, I think it's really great. Um, Hateno lab overlooking it is kind of a cool view. Like when you go up there and you can kind of look off to the side and, and get a good view of the sheer cliffs, uh, that lead down to the ocean, or you can look the other direction and see the, the sprawling forests and the, the beautiful laid out town down there uh no i really like it yeah i agree um hateno ancient Te- tech lab i think that whole quest line is really interesting because especially the first time i played this and you you get there with that one node left in your sheikah slate and you've already gotten bombs and cryonis and stasis and i'm just sitting here thinking like oh what badass thing am i gonna get in that last node and then you get it at the <laughs> you get it at the ancient tech lab and it's the camera yeah and, i mean look i'm not gonna say it's not useful like you do need it for certain quests in the game and but, but really the main thing that this um that this really gives you is access to the photo album uh which you need in order to to trigger hidden memories and to discover more of link's past yeah as you kind of traverse through the game so uh you know a little disappointing um in that way i do think that it is really fun the process of having to take the blue flame up the hill to the tech lab i know the first time that i played this game at the time i didn't realize that torches had a um had a much longer span of time in which you could have them lit like i just thought that any wood thing had the same amount of 
you know, amount of time that you could have it lit on fire before it breaks. And so the first time I played this game, you know, I had all those Boko clubs and whatnot, and I was just like using those to light all those torches. <laughs> and so I went through like 10 Boko clubs on my way up the hill. Woof. And, you know, and, you know, that was in 2017 and I've learned better things since then. Yeah. Um, definitely use a torch because one torch will get you all the way up the hill uh, carrying the blue flame, which is great. So quick question. Does lighting all the different pyres give you something special? Cause I definitely skipped one or two. Not that I know of. Okay. I skipped one or two. <laughs> and uh, so you mentioned that the, the camera is a little bit of a, maybe a letdown, but there's a lot of other things you get from the lab that are awesome. So, I mean, of course, I upgraded my bombs right away. Uh, I forget what else you can all upgrade there. The only thing I haven't upgraded is the one that requires ancient cores. Yeah, so you can, uh, let's see, you can upgrade some of your runes at the ancient tech lab. Bombs and stasis are definitely the two main ones. Oh, uh, the other one is your Sheikah sensor. You can upgrade that to where it, like, detects shrines from a further distance. And I think... I think once you've upgraded the Sheikah sensor, that's when you can actually set it to detect other things. So, like, if you're searching for a specific material, like, I don't know, sunset fireflies, for instance. Hinox toes. Or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You can you can set the Sheikah sensor to detect those things, and then it will ping that instead of shrines. Um, and that is useful. Um, I don't use it a ton because I typically tend to remember, like, where things are in this game after I've found them once. Uh, but, yeah, I, th- I think of all of those... Um, it's kind of a toss-up between what's more useful between upgraded stasis and upgraded bombs. Because upgraded bombs, you know, your cooldown gets cut in half and you can just toss more bombs. Which is awesome. But upgraded stasis allows you to actually freeze enemies while you're fighting them for a span of time. And I I find myself using that a lot, especially once I get into the Trial of the Sword. Yeah, I mean, so they're all useful. It's just kind of the sky's the limit on your imagination of what you're using these things for. And so I use the the upgraded Sheikah sensor quite a bit if I'm trying to get a quest done that's kind of a farming quest. So, I mean, like you have the cricket boy whose girlfriend wants 10, well, she wants 80 crickets, right? Yeah, she's weird. Yeah. Well, and you know, she's just doing that because she's like, no one's going to bring me 80 crickets. <laughs> I don't want to. She just wants people to leave her alone. But lo and behold, he brings a whole bag of crickets and dumps it in her bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that's a sure way to get a date if I ever heard one. Uh, I'm... I would like to put that to the test and see if it works. <laughs> um, you know, girls love them crickets. Um, but no, so I mean, things like that, I find it incredibly useful. I'm sure too, later in down the road, whenever you're trying to upgrade your gear and you have more of the rare items, I'm going to use that more. Um, things that I didn't use so much the last time, maybe it's because of that long span of time between playthroughs. I find I'm playing this game a very different way. Part of that's intentional, and then parts just I forgot how I did it the first time. So it's kind of – it's fresh, and I enjoy that. Good point, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> we were all very interested in watching Lyndon pour that whiskey. Uh, excuse, excuse me. Y'all. Sorry, to, <laughs> sorry to bring the pod to a screeching halt there for a second. No, 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 no. That is good. Um, I do think that the – so the bombs of those two runes are, the, are by far the easiest to upgrade. Um, the materials I think are more plentiful for that one. I think it's ancient springs or gears or – it's something that's a lot easier to get a hold of. For stasis, you need ancient cores, and um, those have a small chance of dropping from defeating a guardian stalker, which 
you got to kind of go grind those dudes to get them. Um, and then, of course, some shrines actually will award you ancient cores. At, um, you can find them in the chests that are within shrines. Um, and one of those I'll actually mention next week in the uh, in the Zora's Domain episode. But but anyway, yeah. So bombs I think are definitely easier to upgrade sooner. And yeah, that's just such a generally useful upgrade. I mean that that bomb cooldown timer by default is pretty stinking long. So shortening that is uh, is a really good way to go. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I really like Hateno Village. I like its tone and aesthetic and its vibe. I love the windmills that they have scattered around. Like, it's just a really, it's a, it's a really well-designed town visually. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't find myself coming back here a lot unless I need to visit my house once I have that acquired, um, or once I, or if I need to dye some, uh, some armor, you know, if I need to change the color of some armor, but, but yeah, it's a, it's a neat little town. Let's go ahead and move on to part three, which is uh, shrine diving, in which we analyze shrines that we discovered, talk about our favorite ones. Matt, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, What did you find in terms of, like, excellence in shrines this week? So my favorite shrine was Chaskita which is the the one Mike just mentioned a little bit ago, which is the major test of strength. I love the combat shrines. I think they are a lot of fun. Uh, This one was especially interesting because it's full of the pillars that you can make the guy crash into. I also went in there with, um, and I used like the best weapons I had on him to kind of try to chew him down early. Um, But I still ended up breaking three or four uh, different swords on him. I didn't break any shields or anything. um, So I freed up enough inventory spots to walk out with... um, um, a plus plus sword and a plus plus axe and a plus shield, I think, is what I came away from with that. I think it's a plus spear. I think you're right. I think it's a plus spear. Yeah. So um, it uh, it was it was really fun. I I love those shrines. Uh, I think we talked about it maybe last week, Lyndon, where uh, one of my favorite things to do is when they do that final stand, like massive charge up. I like to try to end it with a perfect parry on that just to, to kill them off. Um, uh, it's I, I always find myself getting too impatient while they're sitting there doing their five minute charge up. I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to go kill him. So I definitely, I, I definitely got impatient on this one. and went and just slaughtered him. But this is just a reminder too, that those guardian weapons, especially these powerful ones that Matt's talking about when you get like a guardian plus plus ax or whatever, those are the best weapons in the game for shredding ancient enemies, particularly uh, guardians like the guardian yep. stalkers. You can chop all of their legs off and then, uh, whittle them down very easily with those weapons um, and it really bypasses you having to worry about getting your parries right with the lasers I still think that's the more fun way to yeah to beat guardians but like it, it is a really <coughs> effective way to deal with them especially if you're trying to farm them for ancient cores as I was saying earlier um, my my shrine that I wanted to call out this week was the uh, hold on I've got it written down here um it was the the Cam Urag Shrine, and this is the one. It's actually kind of easy to miss, but as you come through Fort Hateno, like once once you've passed through the Fort Hateno gate, um, and you're kind of like you're between that and the cliffs of of Quince, off to the left of the main path, there's a little nook. It's easy to miss, um, but it's there, and. Off in this little nook in this grotto, there's a bunch of statues that are just sunken into the ground. And then there's a, an NPC over there. Um, he's a doctor. I believe his name is Dr. Calip? Dr. Calip? I don't know. Anyway, um, talking to Dr. Calip will um, give you a little side quest in which he tells you that 
one of these statues uh, is uh, supposed to have glowing eyes at certain times, and that uh, that glowing-eyed statue is in some way related to an ancient treasure that's supposed to be buried nearby. Um, the way you solve this puzzle is that you just wait until night falls, and then one of those statues does indeed have glowing eyes. All you have to do is shoot it with an arrow, and then that uh, will destroy the statue, and the shrine will rise from the ground. Um, this shrine actually is a ton of fun. It's got this... Uh, this massive space on the inside like it's it's a cavernous feeling shrine as soon as you load in and the first thing you see is this giant wheel that's just rotating endlessly around and you can go inside this wheel it looks like a giant hamster wheel and once you're inside it it's got several moving staircases that are rotating around a center axis and then also a bunch of metal spiky balls that will hit you as the wheel turns around and around Basically, what you have to do is you have to use stasis to stop the gears of this wheel at a certain specific time. And then once you do that, you're able to climb the stairs and get up to the very top. And uh, and then you get to the monk. Um, It's a really neat shrine. I think that uh, there are some shrines in this game that just have a really massive sense of scale. Like some of them feel feel pretty small on the inside, uh, but some of them are, are pretty cavernous and have like actually very intimidating looking structures within them and this is one of those uh, I thought it was a really fun shrine to tackle and I do love um, I love any shrine you have to do where you've got to time the stasis of uh, of mechanics in a very specific way um, in order to line up stairs or pathways or whatever so that you can progress uh, it, was, it was a really fun one so that's my shrine of the week well, thank you for telling me about that one, because I did indeed miss that grotto, and I'm going to go mark it on my map to uh, visit later. Yeah, it's really easy to miss, but also, like, if you know it's there, then it's one of the easier shrines in the game to get, um, and it's fun to complete. Mike, do you have uh, do you have any shrine that you want to call out? Yes, so I was going to say the one that you did with the, the glowing eye statue, but then I found one that's a little off the path for you, because it's more exploratory so it's on the beach near Faron, and i believe it is the kaya shrine and uh so it's the one where you have to go find it's the broken monument shrine oh yeah so after i got the camera i'm exploring down there and i found two of the pieces just walking around before i found the shrine but there's a broken monument that they mentioned in the beach village and you have to go there, talk to a guy, and he tells you that this monument's broken. The letters glow at certain points. I think it's night. Um, and you've got to go photograph these and bring him the photographs. Then he tells you the really simple riddle he can't figure out. And then you go kneel on one of these two platforms and a shrine pops up. Um, and so I did that. I'm actually trying to remember what's in that shrine. Um, I think it's the one that's the rolling balls. Let's see. What's the what's the name of it again? The... Kaya Shrine. How do you spell it? Is it Ka like Ka's a wheel? K-A? Uh, K-A-H, I believe. Dang it. K-A-H Y-A-H. Y-A-H. Yeah, Kaya. I'm actually looking at it right now, too, trying to get in there. The Kaya Shrine. Uh, that is indeed the Fragmented Monument Shrine, so you were right about that. Woo-hoo. Quick Thinking is the title of this shrine, and let's see, how does, how does, this, how does this work? Um, oh, it's the one you got to like roll some barrels around and then the platforms move some pressure plates. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. So this. this oh, gotcha. There's two yeah. sides to it and you've got to use your stasis yep. uh, and or just it's it's like you're on a kind of just um, 
conveyor belt and you're having to dodge and do things to get your barrels to where they need to be. And that one was fun, not only getting to it and having to find the pieces of the, the monument, but then once you get in there, it's kind of a nice puzzle. Um, the other one, I couldn't tell you the name. Um, I know that it's the Balancing Shrine. I couldn't tell you where it is, um, but I stumbled across this shrine where you have these different pressure plates that are just like a old scale, like mm-hmm. like Lady Justice. Ah, uh, Lady Justice. Oh, she be blind. Oh, I do. And you have to balance the weight on the scales correctly in order to get up to the top. Oh, I do right. remember that yeah. one. Yeah, that's a good one. It wasn't terribly hard, but I was like, yeah, it's a really interesting shrine design. Yeah, so for that, sure. That's one of the that's one of those shrines where people have gone in and like they've put a certain number of items on one on one plate and then link. They, the character them have stood on the other plate and they've tried to see like what is an equivalent weight to link in this game. <laughs> he, he weighs the weight of like four claymores or something. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. It's like, or it's like Link in Breath of the Wild weighs the equivalent of like 15 apples or something like that. <laughs> I mean, that would be fun. I mean, I could see being you know, bored on a, a rainy day. Like, yeah, I'm going to see how many how many uh, raw steaks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I did that and there's a uh, there's the big metal block and there's also a chest in there mm-hmm. so I figured out that you can use that chest and block without having to remove the block and you can kind of staircase it up Yep. Um, but I enjoyed that shrine just the design and then I, I again couldn't tell you Jack about where it is, where it is. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Fair enough. it's not about the, uh, the the location the location it's about the the shrine. So yeah. I do want to take one minute to talk about um, the opposite of excellence in shrine design. I do too, but I want to make one point about Kaya Shrine. One of my favorite things about the Kaya Shrine is it sits on Saka Point. Saka Point. Saka Point, which is uh, <laughs> our, our favorite, or one of our favorite Avatar The Last Airbender. Our favorite boomerang wielding Medi- Meteor sword wielding boomerang using. Now I'm a little upset you don't get some dope boomerang. You should get a there. boomerang or a meteorite sword out of this shrine. Water try. (laughs) Okay, now let's talk about distinctly non-excellent shrine designs, which I am very excited to talk about because... Yeah, so once we get into Hiteno Village, the main shrine that you see there, uh, as soon as you kind of walk in, and this is the one that I always warp to whenever I want to go over to the house that you end up getting, it's the Miyam Agana Shrine. And this shrine, this shrine is one of several in this game I think this is probably the worst one. And this is definitely the worst one because there's a maze. Yeah, but there's it's one of several shrines in this game that requires you to use the gyro controls of the Joy-Con in order to solve. And on paper, that sounds really interesting. Here's the trouble. If you play Breath of the Wild primarily in handheld mode or God forbid with like a pro controller or something, you are effed. Then you are just screwed because it is so hard. Like you interact with this, uh, basically the way that it works is that you see a moving, uh, like a, a platform and you've got to use the gyro controls to move that platform in a certain way to where you can progress through the shrine. And in the Miyamagana shrine, the way that it works is that a little ball falls into this this uh, this floating platform that's got a maze of walls within it. And you've got to use the gyro controls to tilt the floor so that the ball rolls through the maze in just the right way and then comes out the exit and rolls down a ramp and then, uh, you know, ends up in its little plinth and opens the gate to the bunk. Here's the problem. <laughs> Not only do you have to do all that, but you have to, like, flick 
the platform at the very last minute. Yeah, so that it pops it up so it doesn't just go straight off into the abyss. Yeah, because, like, if you just, like, it's not enough to roll the ball through the maze. If you get the ball to the end of the maze and you don't do that little flick at the very end to where the momentum, like, flings the ball up on the ramp, then it just falls into the bottomless pit below. And that is just... Start over. And then you have to start the whole thing over. And that is just such a pain in the ass because doing that flick at the very last minute to get the ball on the ramp is almost impossible like when you're when you're holding the switch in handheld mode you legitimately have to like just you're like upside down (laughs) yeah you're like yeah exactly every time i'm like holding the switch like above my head at a 90 degree angle and then like turning it a little bit and then at the very last minute i have to like try and rotate the switch quickly 180 degrees in my hand it's such a pain so i'm i completely forgot about this but i gripe about it in my head every time so two quick things i look like a crazy person i'm playing entirely handheld this time and so, yeah, you're 100% right. You're, like, upside down, laying on your back. Like, if you're on a couch, you're just all over that couch trying to play this. <laughs> my dumb butt decided I was going to play this in bed after me and my wife watched some Parks and Recreation. So, Great show. So, the wife's going to sleep. I'm sitting there. I get to the shrine, and I'm doing it. I'm doing the full dance to try and flip <laughs> this dang ball up onto that platform. So, I, my wife fell asleep. I'm flicking and not any kind of good flicking. Uh, but I'm doing this. She rolls over, stares me in the windows to my soul, and just says, stop. <laughs> and so I had to put that down until the next morning whenever I was not in bed next to Yon wife. Uh, <laughs> she was very upset with me. <laughs> I'm like, but babe, I got to beat the shrine. Which does not matter to her in the least. No. Oh, that's that's great. So I am a little smarter about it. I undock my Joy-Cons. So when you undock them, each one has a different like effect. So you can like at least you have the ability to like independently move your left and right hands. And so you can kind of like figure it out. I still ended up with like my right hand totally like gyrated to the side like a hundred like 175 degree angle and like holding over here and my left hand i'm trying to like go up and down do the flick it's yeah it's it's still awful so you're gyrating and flicking on this one i am gyrating and flicking absolutely man the most (laughs) sensual shrine (laughs) is the most slow and steady strokes so here's a here's a quick tip for you if you are in a place uh like matt was where you are not playing this in bed next to your sleeping spouse at midnight which is which i always it ends up where i am when i get to the shrine (laughs) just by luck yeah Yeah. so but anyway if you're in a place where you can just undock it like pop open that kickstand put the switch down undock the joy cons do it that way uh you can completely bypass needing to roll the ball through the maze all you have to do is turn the platform upside down all the way upside down yes yes and then you can just roll the ball freely off to the one side that you need it to go. And that's certainly a lot easier than what we were doing. But I, I just think that it's really like the developers of Breath of the Wild knew that they were developing the game with a hybrid system in mind when they did all of this. And I just think that there should have been a more intuitive way to tackle these motion gyro shrines when playing in handheld mode. I, I, I think it's probably like in, in a game that makes nothing but good design decisions. I think this is the one uh, the one time where more thought could have been put into this, you know? 
totally, totally agree. Yeah, no, I, I hate these shrines. I hate them. Yeah, I will say though that in the Miyamagana shrine, there is a chest in there as well. You can you can uh, paraglide down to the maze, um, and there's a chest in there. You can get the Phrenic bow from that chest. Ooh, those are good. <laughs> yeah, the Phrenic bow is really cool. It's one of those bows that kind of acts like a sniper in this game. It's got incredibly enhanced zoom, and the arrows have a. Uh, the arrows don't have as much of a fall off as other arrows from other bows do. Uh, they don't have a ton of attack power, which is is sort of sucky. But yeah, it's worth having one around just to like if you need to hit a far away target. Um, they're great for puzzle solving. Yeah, they're great for puzzle solving. Um, they're really great on master mode for if you want to like snipe the dudes on floating platforms uh, before they notice you, and then you can just go and get the, uh, the gear from the chest on the platform. So yeah, uh, go get a phrenic bow. It's usually worth having at least one of those around. The, the Sheikah bows, um, are, is that the same thing yes. that I'm thinking of? Yeah. Okay. Yeah yeah. 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 Cool. All right. That has been part three where we talk shrine diving and excellence in shrine design or the opposite of that. Let's get into part four, which is bloopy trails, where we talk about things that diverted our attention this week. I'm going to go first and list a few things just right off the top of the old noggin um, that I think are, are interesting to point out in this section of the game that are not necessarily um, required to complete it. Uh, let's see. So as we've kind of uh, alluded to before now, the Hylian homeowner quest can be started immediately upon entering Hateno Village. That's the quest that gets you a house. Um, you got to go through a little bit of a process to get the house. Like Mike was saying earlier, you have to give a bunch of bundles of wood to the uh, to the builders. You've got to pay 3,000 rupees. But once you have all of that, you have access to the house and then uh, – you can actually upgrade that house over time. You can get slots to hang your weapons. You can get a bed uh, to sleep in. Um, it's, it's it's a cool little quest, and it's a, it's a useful little area to have around over there. But more importantly, the Hylian homeowner quest is required in order to then kick off the Terrytown side quest, which is probably the main side quest of this game. It's definitely the longest lasting one. Yeah, it's and it's honestly, it's a lot of fun. Like once you get Terrytown fully built, that's something I know we're going to talk about a lot throughout the rest of the season. So I don't want to go too much into it now. But like, yeah, I, I love doing the Terrytown side quest um, and owning a home. I'm a big collector of gear in games like this. Like one of my favorite things to do in, you know, the Witcher and in Skyrim is go find or craft like um cool weapons or armor that I can then display. Um, like you were saying, Lyndon, I always display all the champion weapons in my, in my home. Um, and if there are any spots left after that, um, maybe like a cool amiibo, uh, weapon or even something that like you can get out of Hyrule castle, like the Royal guard, great sword. That's black and it looks really cool. But yeah, that's uh, I totally love the Hylian homeowner quest. I, I started it as well. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is this is not nearly as impactful, but just in terms of interesting enemies to watch out for, there is a Stalnox that you can encounter. It spawns in the woods to the south of the Blatchery Plain, and the Stalnox is basically – it's a Hinox, and the fight works the same as a Hinox fight. They've got more health than Hinox do. They're basically just giant skeletal Hinox. And they tend to have better weapons that you can get off of them than uh, than Hinox do. Uh, they only are available to fight at nighttime, so they look like a pile of bones all of the rest of the time that you encounter them. But if you if you get um, if you get to where they spawn at night, I think it has to be past midnight. Then they'll be just like a, a humongous skeletal Hinox, 
And uh, the fights are a little bit harder because it all ends with like you do enough damage and then eventually the eye pops out and you've got to do enough damage to the eye to kill it. Chase it around while it hops around. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, Stalnox is over there in the woods to the south of the Blattery Plain. Uh, Definitely worth remembering where those are at. Matt, what Bloopy Trail stuff did you get up to this week? So, like I said, I did the Hylian Homeowner Quest. I also visited our friend uh, Pazuzu um, and... He stole a stamina wheel that I immediately got back. Um, I slayed the same three Hinoxes that uh, Mike Maker did, so I am also a slayer of Hinox. Uh, what else did I do? Um, I did the the quest for the crickets, so I, I collected. I think I think it was thirty. It starts out at thirty, but I think you can go up to. You only need to give him ten, I believe. Okay, I I, I did the first one, and then he like kept wanting more. I was like, mm, nah. Uh, so I did that. I. What else? What else? What else? Uh, yeah, and I fought my first Yiga Clan member, and I think that was about all the. I think we talked about most of that stuff earlier, anyway. But yeah, that was that was kind of my diversions outside of uh doing some exploration and uh extra shrines mike what about you what kind of side shenanigans did you get up to so uh, i mean i kind of covered it but my my side shenanigan was mostly just getting sidetracked after i after i got to the lab and saw the ocean i was like well i gotta go see the ocean and so i went and did a few things down there cleared off the beach and then went over to beach town because i'll never remember that name loreline lorellin village lorellin so I went over there, um, talked to a bunch of the guys. I did play the little chest game they have there. Um, so pretty much just kind of shot, jumped the gun and and went over there and did a couple things. Um, I explored a bunch to get a bunch of Korok seeds. So I've expanded my inventory quite a bit at this point. Um, and what's the name of the guy who has his little maracas? Hestu. Hestu. Yeah. So I, I found Hestu a couple of times and uh, he's my bro. I always enjoy seeing him. <laughs> he, also, is, he is a bro. I have to, every time I find Hesto, uh, Hesto, Hestu, 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 I have to show Mavis because Mavis loves Hestu. Oh, for sure. Hestu's a hit with the kids. <laughs> hit with the kids. Um, I, I don't know if Tingle would be a hit with the kids. No. I, I started Majora's Mask and I'm like, uh, he a little freaky. <laughs> He's a little <laughs> freaky. I would not want to introduce my kids to Tingle. <laughs> no. I don't have any kids. Not even but, in real life. No, um, especially not in real life. So uh, I, I did a bunch of just exploratory side missions and stuff. I did go get Roach and then just rode my horse around a lot because riding a horse is fun. It's a very picturesque game. Um, so I just like to explore that. It is just a gorgeous game. And I know we've said that on the last two episodes as well, but like... It's just pretty. It's just a pretty game. Beautiful game. Let's get into part five, which is Z-targeting, where we lock on to fascinating characters or enemies that we happen to cross. I'm going to go first. Um, I actually want to pick uh, Sage from the Kochi Dye Shop. <laughs> um, who is, yeah, he's, he's the NPC that runs the shop where you can recolor your clothes. This guy is a very... Uh, you know, he's a very alt-dressing, very creative-looking individual. I just – I like him so much because he's got a lot of uh, dye-based puns and a lot of color-based puns when you talk to him. Yeah, I'm sure you love that. Yeah, you get in you get in there and he says, welcome to the Kochi Dye Shop where we live to die. <laughs> like, and every time I read that, I'm just like, oh, that's funny. Uh, sometimes he'll ask, uh, Hugh, do you do? Hugh, yeah, H-U-E. H-U-E, Hugh, <laughs> Hugh, do you do? Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know. A uh, lot, of, a lot of really interesting color puns going on there. But yeah, Kochi Dye Shop. I like Sage. He's fun for sure. Matt Z targeting. Yeah. So I another place that I found on my wanderings was the Heartbreak Pond. Um, and there is a guy who uh, is walking around Heartbreak Pond, thinking that it is the the Love Pond, which is actually not here it's on ebon mountain and you can tell this is heartbreak pond because it's literally in the shape of a heart that is broken in half and this dude is just wandering around like are you wait are you hoping to meet your true love here too and you're like dude literally just take a look at the pond and you can see that this is not the place you're trying to be and maybe go try to find the real place that you should be at so i appreciate his hunt for love in all the wrong places so that rando dude (laughs) mike i believe that takes us to you so I, I kind of have two. Is that all right? Always? Yeah. Okay. So I, I really like Pura, um, the director of the the lab. I think her whole story with the de-aging is really interesting and how she kind of like plays you at the beginning and says, oh, go talk to him over there. That's the director. And he's like, I'm just the assistant. And she's like, gotcha. And then she's always making you do uh, the <laughs> snap things. Yeah. To, to do <laughs> snap. And you're like, okay. <laughs> so, I always do the biggest snap just because always. I'm going to play along. For sure. But uh, I think she's just a super fun character. I love going up and reading her diary about her de-aging process um, and how she's like, okay, well, now I'm the uh, body of a 50-year-old Sheikah woman. Now I'm a 30-year-old Sheikah woman. Uh, now I'm almost 10. <laughs> I was like, wait, 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 hold on. This went too far. Yeah. No, <laughs> I think I through puberty again. Ooh, I that she, doesn't She even like talks fun. about like having a zit. <laughs> she did. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. So I read her diary also. She's just super funny and, and a, um, a pretty entertaining character. Um, my other one is a more of a group of people and it's all the monks in the shrines. I just remember from the first couple playthroughs I did too, they all look so cool. Like with their, their, you know, they're all sitting in a, a very Zen yoga pose. And I guess they've been sitting in that Zen yoga pose for a hundred years. At least. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and I, maybe it tells you later in the game and I'm just forgetting things, but I kind of forget how they're preserved and necessarily why they're preserved. But I mean, it sounds like a lot of them just decide, Hey, I'm, well, I'm going to go sit in here and, uh, hang out in this shrine for for a hundred years and just meditate. And there's some that are really cool. You know, they've got the little Sheikah um, bandana over their face and all the rings. Yep. And so that's one of my favorite parts about the shrines is seeing how dope the monk at the end looks. Love it. Yeah. Actually, um, I, I, I kind of specifically did not mention Pura just because I figured somebody would pick her for the Z targeting. Uh, I do just want to, I agree with you. She's a really fun character. Um, I do want to know what are the specifics of her anti-aging situation? Like, will she at some point grow again and become an adult or is she just permanently stuck in like child body? I, I don't know because so the, the journal's not dated as far as I know saying when she did this experiment. But it kind of makes it sound like she did this. I mean, so she was obviously young whenever you were young. Right. She talks about that and and kind of seeing and playing with you. And so she made it to 110. So I have to feel like she recently did this experiment. So I don't know that there's been time to see whether she's going to keep advancing in age or not. Because, I mean, if she does advance in age again, she's essentially found immortality. Right. Yeah. I do think there's some interesting fictional backstory that she gives you, which is that uh, you come to find out that Pura is the one who actually activated the Shrine of Resurrection and put Link in the Bath of Healing. 
That's cool. Yeah, that, that is pretty cool. I, I believe yeah, that's no, correct. That, that is awesome. And so she puts you in there in your little bath and then waits 100 years. Then she's like, well, I'm going to go ahead and de-age so I can be Link's age. Ooh, yeah. And mm-hmm. then she overshoots it. <laughs> by, by a little bit. <laughs> Just a bit. Yep. Yep. Uh, better luck next time, Pura. And poor, uh, poor, is it Robbie? Is her research assistant? No, Robbie's the guy in a, oh, a Kala lab. Yeah. Yeah. So who's her assistant? I, I forget his name. I don't remember. I don't you know, remember. It's not important. Oh, it's, it's Simon. Simon. Poor Simon. So he's over here taking orders from a 10-year-old. So everyone in this town thinks that she's a child. And you, you see the other kids trying to spy on her and see if they see her come out. Yeah. So you got to think if they ever go out in town, they see this middle-aged to older man getting bossed around by a 10-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> it's just gotta be a really weird dynamic. Yeah. Well also like there's a there's a um opportunity to eavesdrop on two townspeople in Hateno who talk about like, have you seen this child running around in the Hateno ancient tech lab? I wonder what kind of weird experiments they're doing up there. And like talking about how like the the, the townsfolk are afraid of the like magic people up on the hill. If they only knew. <laughs> Man, I wanna play the sequel to this game where the townspeople of Hateno Village form like a torches and pick pitch forks mob and, and it <laughs> and becomes like a the- frankenstein situation <laughs> <laughs> probably never to be most likely not no oh well all right let's get into part six which is our final thoughts where i let matt wrap up this section of the game in as succinct of a way as he can think to do so this is yet another kind of world building uh, route for us where we uh, explore a little bit more of the most immediately populated area of Hyrule, at least by, by people, uh, not other sentient creatures. Uh, there's a lot of interesting scenery along the way, uh, most notably being Fort Hateno and the battlefield uh, that is surrounding that, uh, those ruins. Um, there are some good shrines to dive into, uh, some tests of strength, some interesting puzzle solving uh, that can be done, and one of the most notoriously awful shrines uh, in the game uh, to tackle. Um, there are some good characters to to encounter, uh, clothes to dye, houses to buy, uh, lots of fun things to do. Um, and we wrap it all up with uh, some more uh, story and uh, character building for Link um, and his supporting cast from his past life. Uh, and it sets us on a course to regain some of our memories through the Lost Memories quest uh, while we continue on our course through Hyrule to free the Divine Beasts. Your off-the-cuff rhyme game is excellent. Thank you. It's, I feel like I've, I was flowing that one pretty well. Yes, <laughs> it was wonderful. It, oh, it would have gone great with our dubstep from earlier. Oh, it would have gone, yes. Uh, man, now I wish I'd saved that. We told you to save it while I would it was try, happening. I would try and recreate it, but like I don't want to open that Pandora's <laughs> box again. <laughs> we did spend about 30 minutes before the recording of this episode just listening to We'd record a minute or two. It would be dubstep. (laughs) (laughs) And then we'd record again. It's dubstep. (laughs) I'd get Matt on there and be like, hey, Matt, give me uh, 30 seconds of test talk. He'd be like, oh, my name is Matt Willoughby. I enjoy Breath of the Wild and this whiskey tastes very good. And then I'd play the audio back and it would be like, well, you didn't say that. No, I don't. I don't even think that translates. R2's over there listening like, what'd you say? What'd you say to me? What'd you say about my mama? <laughs> this has been the Sacred Realms front. <laughs> oh man, this has been the Sacred Realms rundown. 
where we talk about everything that we played this week and the feelings that it made us feel. We will, of course, be back next week with another installment of the Sacred Realms Rundown in which we will tackle our first Divine Beast and our trip to Zora's Domain. going to be a fun one. Can't wait to get into it. Uh, Before we get out of here, we do have one piece of reader mail that I want to get into. Of course, every week we encourage our patrons to write us gameplay stories, uh, tell us about their own experiences within Breath of the Wild. This one comes from Kolku, who has a story about Hateno Village. Uh, Kolku says, Hateno is home to some of my favorite Breath of the Wild characters. Sage, the Horned Statue, and Pura, to name a few. I love the entire atmosphere, but I think my favorite area is the small field with the ancient furnace and the creek. I also love the lab and always choose to fast travel to it instead of the shrine and glide down to the village. I think my first memory of the area is to try and eavesdrop on the gossiping ladies and hearing the rumors about Pura. It's always such a fun place to visit, and the scenery is so beautiful. I think that's really fun because I also have, like, certain specific warp points that I tend to go back to whenever I need to visit a certain area, you know, um, just out of habit. Like I'll say, you know, I always warp into this particular shrine when I want to go to uh, Terrytown or Zora's Domain or wherever. And that just speaks to the the different ways that people choose to play this game. Uh, and there are an infinitesimal – no, not an infinitesimal. There are an infinite number of ways in which you can choose to do that. So it's it's just that kind of game and it's super magical. Absolutely. Guys, are you ready to get out of here? I am, unfortunately. The night is beautiful, but it is uh, approaching, what, 11.30. So, yeah, it's about bedtime. It is uh, no longer entirely young. Let's do it. Mike, we love having you on the show. Thanks for coming on for this one. Love you guys. Thanks for having me. Yep, we will, of course, catch up with Mike again before we are done with Breath of the Wild. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, We've got a lot of episodes left before we get to the end of that journey, so... (laughs) going to be a fun ride if you enjoyed today's show and you would like a little extra sacred realms in your life you can head over to patreon.com slash sacred realms pod and you can become a patron if you've got no rupees it's not a problem five star apple podcast reviews are a great free way to support us more reviews means that more people see our show that makes us very happy hylians follow us on twitter and instagram at sacred realms pod for updates on the podcast and for behind the scenes action Sacred Realms will be back next Wednesday with our thoughts on Breath of the Wild Chapter 4, covering Zora's Domain and the Divine Beast Varuta. Breath of the Wild can be played on the Wii U or the Nintendo Switch. We would love for you to play along with us and to share your thoughts on our social channels. In the meantime, may your hearts be full and may your arrows never miss. We'll catch you next time. Sacred Realms is an independent podcast production, which is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Lyndon Willoughby. Our music comes from Zelda and Chill by Mikkel and is graciously provided to us by Mikkel and Game Chops Records. Zelda and Chill is available to stream on Spotify or to purchase directly from GameChops.com. Finally, our thanks go to Nintendo for creating such exceptional and innovative experiences. 